Hey friends, welcome to the Passion and Purpose podcast. My name is Louis Giglio, and I'm so pumped for you to join us for this conversation today with chart-topping artist, and you may not know this, incredible preacher, KB. We're gonna be talking about how to discern which opportunities to say yes to, how to transform the skills God has given you into kingdom impact, and a whole lot more. It's such an honor to have him on the podcast. So here's my conversation with KB. Kevin Elijah Burgess, so good to have you on the Passion and Purpose podcast. I can't think of anybody else who's got more passion and who knows how to connect that to purpose than you. You're known better as KB. And I don't know how to give you the proper introduction, but I'm really pumped that you are sitting down for this conversation today. Yes, indeed. Glad to be here with you. Louis G, for all the listeners at home, that is his new rap name. So you'll, you'll know more about it when our album comes out. Yes, absolutely. And I am pumped for that, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. People do not know what's coming. You are a father and a husband. Yes. And you are a businessman. You are a theologian. You are a communicator slash preacher. I've uh, heard you preach recently. Amazing. You You are a rapper. You are a creative. You have a phenomenal clothing line. You, I I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. And um, by God's grace, it's so funny. I, you, I'm kind of in the moment. So sometimes I, I, it's good for me to hear how the Lord is uniquely and, and uh, you know, intentionally shaped me because I'm just wearing the hats thinking about how they are feeling out who I am. But yes, that that is true. All, all of those things. And, uh, and and also committed to my local church and, and serving uh, on the lead team there as well. So uh, it looks like I do have a couple of things going on here, it seems. Talk about that for a minute, uh, KB, because you, your day would be, uh, there is no normal day for you. So there's no, no normal rhythm. Some, the phone may ring or some people may walk through the door. And right now we're talking about fashion. Right. But 25 minutes from now, some other people are going to walk through the door and we're talking about collaborating on a track. And yes. then an hour and a half later, uh, my kid's going to come running down the hall and yes. uh, jump on my back. Yes. And then uh, yes. another hour later, I'm going to have to be talking about some kind of real estate situation that's going on. Yes. Something yeah. to do with my business. Do you intentionally shift gears or is it a natural? I've just got a lot of gears and I know, oh, right now I'm in this gear. Or is it mentally for you? a process of, oh, right now I have to start thinking this way and work in this way? That's an excellent question. Um, excellent question. I think it's a, a little bit of both of the realities that you described. I think for this particular season, um, I had to, uh, through the um, kind of gentle correction of my pastor, I had to to stop sort of giving a little bit of myself to a lot of things and, and really give all of myself to a single thing. Now I don't, and most of us don't have the luxury to do that all the time. So it really, for me, kind of the, the season, uh, 
it really comes down to the season. If the season is demanding, um, that I begin to, you know, cut some things off because a yes to something is always a no to something else. And, and I'm finding myself not able to, in all seasons, be able to just be present everywhere and at all times. I mean, we're not omnipresent. We're meant to do that in the first place, but, uh, some people will argue that individuals like us who are all who are wearing multiple hats that are kind of always under the pressure of creating things on the fly. Sometimes we can thrive in that depending on what the season is. But for this season, my focus has been completing a book. And also I am trying to reestablish myself and sort of reestablish my identity in community. So the, the my, all my music has come out of making songs for people that and the people that I know I, I'm at uh it's people inside at my in my community I'm I'm marching with them I'm serving with them I am if they're sick I'm at the hospital with them in their homes I, I'm at the funeral that is my the the sum of my music comes from those experiences I feel a conviction around if I'm going to be shepherd like in everything that I'm doing I need to smell like the sheep. I need to have been around the sheep. I need to know the needs of the sheep. So I have to recalibrate sometimes. So this is what this season has been. It's been uh, my, my my company with HGA Productions from the merchandise and, and the production side. We're, we're doing a grand opening for uh, this creative space that we made for Tampa on Friday. All of that I'm entrusting to my team. I am in the studio now to talk to you, but I have been home writing and then at on Mondays and on the weekends with the brothers and the sisters for that matter. So that's been my focus for this season um, so that I can indeed give all of myself to this. So I won't look back on it a year from now and been like, what would it have been had I given a hundred percent to this project? I have so many questions. <laughs> I, like, I was going down one track and then I shifted to another track and now I'm landing on, on a last track. Talk about the connection to the church. I, I can't think of too many people, or there are so many people is a better way of saying it, more accurate way of saying it, that credit their start in music to the church. You will hear it all the time. I started singing at church or I started singing in the choir. I started singing in my dad's church. But and here we are, fast forward 18 years later, six or seven number one hits later. Yeah. Churches in in the it's in my fabric, but I'm not definitely uh rocking up there Sunday, you know, with a notepad and a Bible. Yeah. And knowing that the Lord's gonna reshape my life and right. I'm not gonna be able to jump in and serve, partly because I'm a superstar. That's right. And I can't go to church because people are trying to take pictures of me down the road. Right, right, and right, right. partly because uh, I am out, you know, hustling and building my brand. So, how realistic is it that people can stay connected to the church when they have big anointing on their life mm-hmm. for musical success? Yes, that's really, really good. Excellent question. So, what the church was designed to be is this influencing, shaping, grounding, uh, guiding presence in the life of the believer. And that is that that is something that can be easily lost in becoming an influencer. So I think for me, one of the, the, the is two things that I think have allowed me over the last 11 or 12 years to be kind of known in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm no Louis G, 
Um, but uh, some people know who I am. I mean, a lot of folks at the church know who I am. I had fans show up at the church, stuff like that. So I've been able to live, to navigate those waters, but not ever lose my intimacy with, with God's people. I think it's two things that allowed me to do that. First thing was the kind of church that I'm serving at. So the, the, the kind of church that I'm serving at is deeply focused on not simply being a program for people to meet at and then go on about their business. But the idea of the community is that it is a fellowship that is built on mutual bond and also mutual sacrifice that I am factoring in the needs of my brothers and sisters as I think through my life. When I think about where I want to move, uh, when I think about where my money is going, when I think about the kind of opportunities that I may or may not take, um, Brad mentioned uh, at this Wednesday, I actually forgot about this, that when I got invited to do co um, to do uh, Passion, when you guys invited me to do Passion, when Passion is probably my number one event that I would want, that I want to be at as a Christian artist. Um, when I got the call to do it, I was so honored. Um, but I told him that brother, ordinarily, I would say, yes, I don't even need to see the offer. I'm there. Uh, but because we're in COVID, I need to ask my, my leadership. I need to see what, what, what kind of signal am I sending to the church by doing this? Do, am I within my parameters? Because my standing on that stage has direct effect to the people that I'm trying to influence, that I'm trying to disciple in Christ. So I'm factoring in the community in my life. And I think that the kind of church that I serve, serve at is conducive to that, that we see each other as people on mission. Our target is not one in, is not anyone particular in the church. Our target is the city. So we are all, when we're, when we're, you know, when we're all fighting in the foxhole, it doesn't really matter who your accolades are. We are all, what your accolades are, we are all going after this target. So I think that's part of it. The second thing is, I do think if people see you around enough, they will get to, they will begin to see you the way your family sees you, which is that they respect you. My, my, my wife respects me. I, I'm her favorite preacher. My, my mom, she respects me. I'm her favorite preacher as well. Uh, my mom lives with me. She, she, she respects me. But she in no way is starstruck when I walk into the room. And what I have found is I know that KB is not as impressive as he comes off. And I have lights in front of me and I, and I prepared something and I got a microphone. It's amp- I, I come off amazing. But if you spent enough time with me, I think you would say, yeah, he loves Jesus. But he is not the giant that I have in my mind. And I want to include. I want to encourage influencers. Even if you are a star, of course you want to be at a community that is helping to you to get through all of that stuff. I love the story when Kirk Franklin went to uh, went to his church at uh, Oak Cliff in, in Dallas, and he called like, "Hey, where, where should I park?" And they were like, "In the parking lot." I mean, where, <laughs> where should I sit? In, in the audience. Uh, I want to encourage folks to push past that because what will happen is people, as they get to know you, they will begin to humanize you and then you can get to work like everyone else. And that's what I've done along the way. And again, when they see you doing part, when you pull up to the church and KB's outside directing traffic, you start to put two and two together. Oh, he's not a star fundamentally. He's a man fundamentally trying to love Jesus just like me. Man, such a good word. And um, I, I want to give a shout out. I was just thinking when you were saying that, KB, to Crowder, who, you know, obviously can like turn a stadium upside down like you yeah. can and has that cert- certain anointing on his life to do that. Uh, yeah. 
both of you just are like powerhouses when you're in your lane. But I look over when I'm preaching a lot of Sundays and David and Tony are just sitting over on the fourth row. Wow. And, uh, you know, it, it speaks. It's, it's, a, it's loud. And I, it, it. I think um, props to you for leaning in. And I love that. Brad told me that story. He said, hey, KB's got to talk to his pastor. And they have a lot of elderly people in their church and everybody's sort of signed up to a higher level of responsibility to care for each other and speaks volumes. And I do feel that bleed through Mm -hmm. uh, what, what you're bringing when you are doing your thing. And speaking of doing your thing, I want to ask you how, how has God's glory become the centerpiece Mm -hmm. of everything you're about? Yes. Um, excellent question. Um, I, I um I would describe my coming to Jesus as a encounter with glory. That that's how I would describe it. I remember being very much unimpressed with God. If you asked me, was God boring? I I would not say you know yes because I, I mean if He is real, I don't want to have to answer for saying that when I see Him one day. But in my heart of hearts, God was absolutely boring. Like I, I slept better at church. It was something about preaching that, that was like a sedative for me. So I, I and, and then when I saw when folks were trying to make Christianity cool, it was it was stuff like, you know, pizza parties and, and you know, PG movies and and, and uh, you know, kids bop. And I'm just like, listen, I, this is this is whack. And. Out of all places, the, the, the book that I had ignored for all these years, I was directed there, the, the, the Bible. I was directed to the Bible via a, a Christian hip-hop CD, CD that I heard where the gospel was presented to me. This rapper had preached the gospel in his album. I listened to the album, loved every song. The eighth song was a gospel presentation. I trusted Jesus. I didn't know what I was getting into. All I knew is I, I knew I needed Jesus and I wanted to know more about him. And the good thing is that in this book, he talks about himself a lot. And as I begin to talk, as I begin to read him talking about himself and his father and the work of the spirit, I was blown away. I was like, oh, this is who he is, that he's strong, he's mighty, he's good, he's patient, he forgives, he, he gives mercy, uh, he's, he's wise, he's glorious. And then I got to get, I got some good theology around me. So I'm a big proponent of good theology that, that started to teach me that this isn't just in the, the 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 disembodied spiritual realm, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That you can see His glory all over the place. You can see it in a well-designed microphone. You can see it in the order of of a traffic sign or a, a traffic light. You can see it at the ocean at the Grand Canyon. You can taste it in in a steak. The glory of God is all over the place. All of these things are saying something about the God who rules over it all. And I just was finding myself worshiping everywhere I went. And then once, once I, 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 you know, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, I started to share the gospel. And I, I wish so much that God would give me this season again, because I was in this season, brother, where it felt like everybody we shared the gospel with was getting saved. Like folks were just like throwing their, throwing away everything. We are now coming here. I had 50, 60 people in my two bedroom apartment who was roaches on the walls, smelled weird in there. And they were 50, 60 young, unchurched, you know what I'm saying, serious believers 
sitting down around doing Bible study. And we were like, yo, what should we call what we're doing? And we came up with HGA. We're going to call it His Glory Alone. Because the glory wow. of God alone is what changed our lives. So that's why it's in everything that I do now. Yeah, the epicenter of life is God. Obviously, if there is a creator, then he gets to be at the center. Yes. And um, the thing that's been interesting to me, KB, because you were getting that a lot quicker than I did. That was the last big kind of like eye-opening, game-changing, life-altering, everything shifted, mm. theological awareness moment for me. Wow. And I, people say, well, what, what would you call the big moments in your life? And mine was obviously uh, being born again. Yes. Uh, coming to understand that grace is for Monday as much as it is for getting to heaven. Uh, Christ's life in me. Uh, that was that was a game changer in college. Soon after that, uh, worship as a lifestyle, not as a song. Um, and then lastly was God's glory is the center of everything. Therefore, I want my life to be about the most important thing. And people say, well, how do you know when you get to one of those big moments? I said, because it's on every page of the Bible. God's glory is not in nine chapters or 16 passages or three key texts. It's in every single story in the entire scripture from beginning to end. It's all about him. And the the crazy part of it is that the only person who can be the best proponent of that is him. He has to promote himself because left to us, he's not going to get promoted. Well, we're too busy promoting our own glory. So tell somebody why they would want to make their life about his glory alone. Yeah, excellent question. And I love that, love that, um, what you just shared as well. Um, so I think that it's important for us to, to realize that we were made for glory, whether we like it or not. You are going to be seeking to feel a hit of, of, and what I, it might be helpful to say what I mean by glory. What I mean by glory is that kind of otherworldly beauty, that 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 sort of uh, you, you know it when you see it moment of of wonderment. That's what glory is. And the beautiful thing is that when God focuses on Himself, we are the happiest because God focusing on Himself means that you get mercy, grace, forgiveness, empowerment, joy, salvation, eternity. That God's glory is getting rid of pain. And death, that's his glory. So to focus on that is actually the most, and give me a little grace here with this phrase, self-preserving thing you can do. To focus on God's glory is actually one of the ways that you can self-care in the best and most profound ways. So that's why I would say that we should focus on his glory because the alternative is terrible. And in focusing on God's glory, you find wonder. Wow, so good. Talk about your personal story. You are an overcomer. And um, talk about how you've come through. I know your childhood upbringing, there was an opportunity for you to kind of fall through the cracks at yeah. some point, but yet you didn't by the grace of God. And talk about your own relationship with your dad, how that has connected you more to the passion that you have to be a dad and to your heavenly father as well. Powerful. Great question. Um, Yes. I have a complicated situation with fathers in my life. Um, In fact, I wrote a song with uh, my guitar player, Deshaun, um, called Daddy. And uh, it is literally the saddest song I've ever written. 
I cried while I was recording it. I cried for an hour before I went and recorded it. And then I was depressed for one week afterwards. It was bad. It was so bad that we're not going to drop the song without partnering with a large um, therapy movement because it's going to, I'm telling you, brother, it's going to unfurl some stuff in some people. I'm good now. That's why I can laugh about it. But um, the, the complicated sort of past for me was that my biological father was, uh, he was killed when I was three years old. I never met him. In fact, I just actually found my family about two years ago. And I've been engaging with them ever since. Uh, but anyways, my biological father was killed in a drug deal when I was three. My mother married a gentleman who ended up being very abusive to her. So, so that, that marriage ended. Then my mother married again. It's my third father. And he was actually, there was a lot of redemptive qualities about him. He was a soldier. I lived on a military base with him and my mom for eight years. And I learned a lot about manhood, about focus, deter- uh, fighting. I learned a lot of things from him that were good. But the problem with him, in fact, I would say that he was a good dad while the marriage was together. But when they divorced, he didn't finish. He he, he disappeared. He got scared off by child support. It it just turned into something really, really ugly that left me abandoned. So here I am, my mother and father, and I had, my my dad was, that's his last name I have, Burgess. It's his last name. Uh, So I still call him my dad, even though uh, he won't talk to me anymore. I think he's just, he's just sinking in his guilt and his shame about what happened. I hope that's what it is. Hope it's not something worse like um, you know, because I'm not his biological son, maybe doesn't feel like he has the, 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 you know, doesn't have the responsibility. But anyways, when he was in my life, it was good. So when they divorced, I found myself back in the hood off of an Air Force base. At the Air Force base is soldiers on both ends of the base. I saw AR-15s every day. I never saw a crime committed. I never saw the police. There, there were, I, don't, I, I think we had police officers there. I never saw them. Um, I, I, never saw a, I never saw a law being broken. I never saw it for eight years of my life. Um, because all, if you know about living on base, everything is there. The school is there, the grocery store, the movies, there's no need to really go anywhere else. So anyways, we move, but we left. I go back to the hood. My mom and I go back to the hood, South side of St. Petersburg. And that's a very different situation. Now I'm seeing crime all the time, gunshots every night, people running from the police. I am getting the issues with, with, with gangs around. I'm, you know, trying to dabble in drugs and all. I just found myself spiraling into out of my lack of identity and uncertainty. And it just began to compound to the point. And this is when Jesus, that Jesus probably stepped into my life. Uh, oh, I, Jesus was talking to me for years, but I think that he won me over in this season where I, it was so scary for me to exist. It felt like the only place to go was out of this life. And it was in that place where I was at my darkest moment with the thought that I, even after all that I had been through, in fact, I had spent probably about four or five years of my, my life with some serious depression when I was, even before I was a teenager and I was seeing a counselor and stuff like that. I saw a counselor and stuff like that. None of that made me think about killing myself. But once I had gotten to, you know, 13, 14 years old and I'm living in this, what, what felt like just a broken identity, I was like, God, I'm, I'm coming home. If you're out there, I'm, I'm on my way. Um, and it was that hopelessness that made me very ripe for the gospel. How does that play into, I mean, you talked about your culture, your church, your community is a big filter for what you want to say through your music. 
but what what impact is still residual as you're writing music, making music, you're in front of people and you're thinking about who you were, where you were, the fact that God has really miraculously brought you through. You have the most amazing family, um, have such influence. You're building a business. You're helping build a community. Um, where, where are you in the process of coming out of there and into here? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent question. Um, I think by God's grace, um, the Lord did some things for me immediately when I became a Christian. Um, the first thing that he took from me, um, and I, and I don't want to make this a universal and normative that this is going to be everybody's experience, but the first thing he took from me was my hopelessness. I mean, I, I was hopeless and I have not felt anything remotely close to that for the last 15 years. Mm. And, um, and I think at the bottom of it, that the bottom of all that I have is the backdrop of what hopelessness feels like. I lived in it. I was deep in it. I was married to it. Uh, and then I became a Christian and the, the gospel is by definition hope, you know what I'm saying? And I feel that permeating into everything that I do. So in starting, um, I started this, this, uh, this company, you know, Native Supply um, five years ago that is now sort of, sort of uh, budding into this, this new effort, this, which HGA Productions. And, and, and now I have, you know, more employees and we are, we are growing in, in our revenue uh, annually and when we hit these walls of uncertainty and confusion, what fuels me is that same gospel truth that saved me is that it wants to convince you that this is the end or this is how it will always be. This setback, this failure, this uncertainty, this whatever, is this it? And, uh, and for me, the, the, the hope of the gospel always says that it is never it. We are still marching towards where we will always be. We always have something to keep stay hopeful for. And that's what motivates me to keep going. And just one last thing. I am just thinking about those who are constantly believing that they are hopeless and how that then is that that sort of uh, works itself into their lives. I want to show up and say, no, 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 no. There's so much to be hopeful for. If Jesus is on the throne, you can't like live in a state of hopelessness. It's not possible. I don't care what happens. My friend just got cut from the NFL yesterday. Yesterday, my friend just got cut from the, from, from the NFL. And it, and, and it looks like he's not going to be able to come back because of, of an injury. And I talked, he was in a in small group last night and he was sharing how he's content. He says, I know that God's not done with me. It's hope. Wow. And so anyways, let me stop. Go. I don't want to take up all the time. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I, I feel like you're... You're describing so much of the world right now and so many people yeah. that I, that I, I can see right now while you're sharing, KB, they, they're, they're feeling like their situation can't change. And for a lot of them, it's traced back, I believe, to fatherlessness, mm. um, not just in the urban context, but in the suburban context. There's just yeah. a, a gap of people feeling like, my dad thinks I'm amazing, mm. shows up and bless me. <laughs> That's what every kid wants. You know I mean? You didn't have wow. to teach a four-year-old to say, daddy, watch me. 
you know, when he was trying to do a flip in the front yard. He knew, right. you know, mom's great, but I want daddy to see this. Yeah. So you've been through this journey. You, I just want to pick back up for a minute. You have a your current father that you consider your father and you are not in a relationship right now, but you have three kids that you adore. Yeah. I've seen you around one of your sons on Winter Jam and you're trying to break something, change something, recreate something. How yes. are you doing that? And uh, what... Because I think everybody listening is like, I, I, I want to do that because I'm afraid maybe I, I could never be a good dad based on what I've experienced. But yeah. you feel like you believe you can be a good dad yes, and you can start a whole new, a whole new uh, domino train in motion. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Um, when my father died, my biological father died, he was the same age that I was when I when my son turned three and when my son was three. So when my son was three years old, I was 20, I was 30. I'm messing this up. I'm sorry. There was a correlation between my son being three years old and when I was three years old and then the age that I was and when my dad died, it lined up perfectly. And I remember when I saw it, I broke into tears Hmm. because it felt like God was doing a line for line redemption project with fatherhood wow. in my life that I was getting. And I felt no anger and to this day, even when people hear the song, daddy, I, I talk about how much I miss my dad. I never met him and I miss him. And I, and I, and I, I ask, I, I asked the question, are you ever proud of me? Do you ever smile at me? These are things that I feel that will never go away. And I understand that I don't need to apologize for my wounds. However, the fact of the matter is God does something unique with my wounds in that he uses his fatherhood to actually heal them via creating a path of good fatherhood for my children. In other words, nothing heals the sort of wounds of fatherlessness like being a good father. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and because literally that's what the father's doing to me as his son. He's healing my wounds through his fathering. That's what I'm doing in my household. So I feel the birth of a new legacy. I feel the birth of a, of a, of a new name for Burgess. I, I was going to change my name. I, it was one point I was so disgusted as a Christian. I was probably definitely going into pride. I was so disgusted at what the men bearing my last name had done with their families that I thought about changing it. I'm going to make a new name and uh, a clean slate, like a perfect start over. And I felt like my, my it was actually my wife that stopped me because I, you know, I, I thought she might be excited about it. She, she just got my last name. I don't know what her skin in the game is, but she said to me, let God redeem it. That yeah. there's something beautiful about redeeming what is broken as opposed to just starting over. Is that not what the gospel is? God could just, you know what, let's just do a restart with everybody, Noah too. We are just going to make a new humanity, all right? But no, he would rather redeem what is broken as opposed to erase. Uh, So I am doing that in the way that I'm loving my children as I am, uh, you know, sort of bringing them up in the, the admonition of the Lord and showing them. That is the litmus test for me, brother. Do is it weird for the people that live with me to hear me preach? Do they look at me on stage like, oh, he sounds really spiritual right now? Really wish that guy was at home. 
and 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 you know what I'm saying? And, and do my kids look at me and think, man, he's very present everywhere else except here. Um though that that's the litmus test for me. That's how I know how I'm doing. It's not, it's not it's not my PL at the end of the year, right? It 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 is it is what I am achieving in my house that is central to who I am. So um to answer your question in a line, I am bringing back a redemption to my name, to my family, to fatherhood and my relationship with it that I pray to God will reverberate for many years to come if the Lord tarries. Talk a little bit about your album, His Glory Alone. I, I This album is uh, lights out. It's so powerful and uh, gritty. You speak to the moment um, and that yet it's very transcendent also in that you are, you're incorporating the global anthem. So mm-hmm. h- how did all that process happen? I remember listening to the album for the first time and I'm like, wait a minute, this is 10,000 reasons. I was <laughs> that song was born. Um, I was there the very first time Matt Redmond played that song. Really? And, um, it's, uh, and here it is, you know, like coming to life in a brand new way. Same with Angel Armies. I was around when that song uh, came to be and, Yet somehow you've got this flow where you've got you're speaking to the moment, you're speaking to culture, you're you're speaking to race and a lot of the tension that we're all navigating. Um, and then here come these big global anthems come shining through as well. And I know uh, 10K has been a big, big song uh, from the record. So what's in your mind as you're incorporating this anthemic uh, moment? Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's, uh, first of all, thank you for your very, very kind words, brother. Um, yeah, it's, it's me trying to capture into music what I'm feeling in my heart. Um, this is a funny story. I think you noticed, I think I told you this already, but I'll just share it for, for the audience is that my introduction to Christian worship music, um, especially in the, on the contemporary side, was actually David Crowder. I, was, uh, I, was, I had got invited to go to Brazil on this mission trip to help strengthen some churches out there for a few weeks. And before I went, I was introduced to this song. I listened to the song. In fact, there is a video that I think is on YouTube somewhere of me in Brazil with the glory of it all playing on it from back in 2000, what was that? Eight, I think it was. and. Uh, I listened to that song at least a hundred times. I mean, in, in, a, in a matter of a few days. And every time I heard it, the glory of it all, he came here for the rescue of us all. And he talks about after all our hands have wrought, he forgives all oh, the glory of it all. It's like, God, you're, you are brilliant in what you're doing and you're powerful to do it. You're not just a, an amazing mind. You're an amazing actor. Like you do what you say. And that you, man, I'm telling you, bro, I don't know what it is about worship that feels like you can just reach out in the moment and touch the the the, the hem of his garment. Like it, it's like a peer into another world. It's like the windows open and you can see out into the beauty and glory of God. I'm sorry. The church throughout history uh, has provided some really dope things for the world, not just for Christians, but for the world. And I'm convinced that 
worship music in a lot of ways, some of it, not all of it, has been a gift to this world, man, that allows us a, a, a more richer and sometimes, uh, I don't know, more human kind of connection to the holy. And for me, I can't really capture that like I want to with just 808s, hi-hats, and snares. I have to bring that into my world. And that's what I wanted to do. I did not want to go into that world and, and essentially kind of layer some rap into it, which is what we've seen in the past. What I wanted to do was say, how do we merge? How do we bring all of what that is into this hip hop sound? And which I, I realize can be difficult to do. And I'm, I'm probably just towing the line of cheesiness, but I, I hope that I'm far enough away from it that it becomes something that people can actually appreciate where you're getting also the 808s because the 808 also does something to the soul. It, it inspires. These are people working out to that thing, man, because it does. The hip hop has a motivating factor, a focusing factor to it. And that being put alongside of these grand anthemic 60,000 people in a room singing every song that they can to Jesus and he deserves every last bit of it. All of that coming together in one place sounds like gumbo to me and I'm a gumbo man. So (laughs) (laughs) a couple of thoughts around a couple of songs on the, on the album, the albums, uh, his glory alone and um, dark skin. Talk just for a few minutes about the song. Yeah. So dark skin is a a song that explores colorism um, on a, basically on a global scale, all of us way beyond our race, that our the amount of melanin in our skin is a non-issue. It's a non-issue as far as God is concerned. Uh, it is us that gives value. In fact, the whole concept of race is a fake reality. It's, it's a, a, an adult fairy tale that we live by. There's nothing biological about my skin and your skin that, that has some kind of uh, effects on who we are. Who we are is much deeper than that. And that deeper than that, is that we're made in the image of God, which means that everyone's skin, no matter how much or how much or little melanin you have, is out of the design of Almighty God, which is worthy of our praise and, and not, not for us to look down upon or create these false standards out of. And that's what that song, Dark Skin, dealt with. It was trying to move us away from the ways that we categorize each other according to skin to something way deeper, way more profound, which is exploring the fact that we have the foot the uh, the fingerprint of the of God on our bodies. Yeah, it's almost impossible for any of us to not be myopic and it's almost impossible for any of us not to view the world through the lens of ourselves. Yes. I know for me just waking up and realizing, oh, heaven is not going to be a bunch of people who look like me. Yes. I mean, I remember yes. coming through like my teenage years and really starting to get my head around the, the kingdom, you know, coming yeah. out of like Bible stories and really starting to think about the kingdom. And then you start to travel and you you touch down on every continent on earth and you start seeing not only, uh, you start realizing it takes more than one color of skin to capture the, the beauty of the creator. And, you know, you, you see how it's not any one of us that shows the image of the divine, but it's yes. the beauty of each one of us that That's right. shows us the beauty of the divine. That's right. Talk, That's about, uh, talk about We Write 
here. Yeah, listen, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you something, sir. Uh, I, I owe you uh, a, a big handshake and a, and a large hug uh, for inviting me to, uh, uh, you and your team inviting me to, uh, to, to Passion Camp this last week, actually. Oh, come on, um, man, that place was on man. fire. And that was the because we've been in the pandemic and I've been really, really careful. I've said no to a lot of stuff, maybe even half of my requests, uh, particularly if they're in this year. And uh, so I haven't got I haven't gotten to perform it. And man, I felt like that was the inauguration of that song, man. And we did it with it was like five thousand young people there crazy about the Lord and the place shook. Okay, I'm sure the sand was shaking on the beach. We're in Daytona Beach. Uh, but anyways, the song is called We Right Here, and that it really is a response to the fact that there is a kind of deconversion movement going on right now. I think that this uh, Pew Research came out and said that for almost every every one person that converts to Jesus, to, to Christianity, four people are leaving. And there's actually a very fascinating study around why that's happening. And you'd be encouraged that a lot of what people are leaving is not actually Jesus, but it's his mis- the misappropriations of Jesus. But anyways, the, 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 the idea in the culture is that people are leaving God. People are, people are done. People have given up on God. And I wanted to say, I, I hear you. I want to sit with the reasons why people are struggling and be patient with that. But don't forget that a lot of us haven't went anywhere. We've just went stronger and deeper in, in our faith. We are right here. And that's what that song is about. So good. Talk about your inspiration. I know I could talk to you for the rest of the day, but um, you've been so generous with your time and story. But just talk about the inspiration, KB, for a minute. There's so many people right now who want to, they want to have a voice. Yeah. And you have, you know, I think for you, I've been trying to figure you out for a minute now that I've been around you and I get to watch you close up. I'm like, is this guy a preacher who can rap? Is he a rapper? <laughs> rap it preach? Is he a, who is this guy? And what I've, what I'm starting to figure out is you are a, uh, you're a wordsmith. Mm. You, you appreciate language and you exploit it in the very best way. Mm. And uh, I, that's why I love listening to you preach, by the way. Uh, so it's pretty precise. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Like, let me yeah. just pull from my lexicon here. <laughs> organize a sentence that's going to have phenomenal theology, going to blow your mind in creativity. It's going to have a rhyme scheme that almost gets you off the track of the theology. But I'm going to pull you back to the main central point. I love it. it uh, how, what's inspiring you? to innovate the way that you're innovating? And is there anything you reach down into regularly to pull from or draw from? I'm always trying to pull from my real life experience. I'm inspired by that. And then the second thing that I think I'm, I'm trying to pull from is God has a mission in this world. And I think a man or woman's highest, you know, existence is to be a part of God's mission. Um, that that is what will outlast us all. That, that that's what he's been doing since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're getting to get on a moving train that is moving towards you know the redemption of all things. And I keep that in mind. So one of the things, and I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me. I, I literally have been saying this for the last couple of days to so a few people. 
one of the things I like about passion is I just I describe passion as if the Super Bowl, if the production team for the Super Bowl wanted to do Christian conferences, it would be passion. That's that's how that's how I help people understand what's happening there. And one of the things that I love about the utility of it is that oftentimes people who are lying in the world, who are saying things that either should not be said uh, or not saying things uh, as as clearly or as as they should be, just just say th- people that are putting media out that's bad. It's all oftentimes well produced, and that's a part of what kind of convinces people to go along with the lie because the lie is packaged so well. Wow! And I I feel a I feel encouraged by people who and not everybody has the budget of a passion or, or, or a budget of of other folks. I get that, but to the best of our ability, that we are bringing the the, the mission of God into these these emanations of, of, of podcasts, conferences, concerts, tours, books, all of that stuff, when that is packaged well, we're competing. The mission of God, in some ways, gets to, 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 to be in the conversation with everyone else, with all the other various missions and, and contrary missions out there. And I think it gets to, it can be heard. It's style and substance. You feel me? And I, I, I feel that a part of what I do is I bring style, not trying to make it cool. The mission of God, if you understand it, you will have no problems thinking that it's dope. But, but to overcome that gap, I want to be wrapping substance and style so that people can become, become can, can get closer to what God is doing in the grand scheme of things. So I, I, I'm inspired by that. I want to have the, the fresh, the, the best design merchandise, the, 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 the best necklaces, the, the best concerts within our budget. We want to be good stewards. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is I, I feel greatly inspired by mixing. In fact, I wrote a business plan for, you know, six years ago. And that was in the first paragraph is that the one, when I was going through the kingdom, the principles of our company, style and substance, Substance without style will not be heard, but you need substance to live. Style without substance is vapid and 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 cotton candy esque. But if you merge style and substance into one, you get. I mean, wh- whatever the mission is, it becomes impactful. Style plus substance equals impact, and I am very much inspired by that. Inspired by people who are doing that well for the kingdom. So that that those are the two things that I think I'm pulling for in terms of inspiration. I want to be on that train so so bad. You know, I think obviously there's that spiritual component too. So you can have, you know, the style, but the substance has to be that intangible, that, you know, wind of the spirit, that imprint of God is here. Say that. And um uh, there's a quote that has really motivated me, KB, for a long time. And I, if I try to quote it exactly, I'll get it wrong. But it's a very famous quote from uh, ways back. And it's the quote was that Christian work is good work done well. Ooh. And I think, you know, whenever we want to start attaching the word Christian to something, we got to be careful. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian business. It's a Christian business. Yeah. Well, it better be a really good, <laughs> you know, it's Christian music. Yes. Well, it better be some unbelievable music then. Yes. Christian yes. rap, you know, yes. then it yes. better be like some lights out rap. If you're going to put that name on it, it really does need to shine. And you do that in such a great way. And mm. I, I appreciate your heart, your time today. Thanks for being generous with your time. Yeah, brother. 
in with your influence. And um, I, I've loved that our paths have intersected more in the last little bit. We got to do some winter jam dates together and I got to yes. see you in the flow uh, of, of a few days here and there together and yeah. just getting to connect and be around you more has been real. It's been a, a real highlight for me in the last uh, year. So uh, all the best to everything you've got going. The book is called? We are still working on the title, but right now the, the working title is Dangerous Christianity. Okay. The working yes. title is Dangerous <laughs> Christianity. And, yes. and uh, the one sentence tagline on the back that's going to tell me why I want to read this book that's working title is Dangerous Christianity says what? Great question. And we have not got that far yet. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. It is unfurling. It is separating the Christianity of Christ from the Christianity of the land. So, yeah. Beautiful. When shall we expect this work to arrive? Lord willing, uh, Lord willing, um, fall of 2022. All right, people. KB's not only all these other things. He's an author. Yes. <laughs> Coming any day now. Hey, all the best to you. Look forward to seeing you uh, sometime soon. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, man. God bless you, brother. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning into my conversation with KB. Wow. That guy can do it all. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of Passion and Purpose. God bless. God bless.